listen to this brief soundbite from my interview with Jim Retrich. It made me smile. He talks about having a board of advisors, having a mentor, having somebody to talk to about your career. And oh my, where was Jim when I was coming up in my career? You know, I was one of those professionals. I am going to work hard. I can do this. I can figure this out. I, 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 I can do this alone. And other than my poor husband at the time that I probably used as my sounding board, board of advisors, and while we love our significant others, partners in our lives, it is so critical to have people to just talk through the opportunities and challenges ahead of you because you can only see what you can see. And by speaking to somebody, they can see the potential in you. So I can't wait for you to listen to this entire interview. Think about going with a group of people a group of advisors, a few mentors, because you don't have to follow your career journey alone. Taking people along the way is where all the fun is. So thank you again for following up with the Drop-In CEO podcast. Joining us again, you are going to love this interview with Jim Rettridge. Regardless of your level in the organization, I think there's always an opportunity to have advisors, to have confidants, to have mentors, to have coaches, who can help you stay authentic and stay vulnerable. I think it's really important. A number of people have a personal board of advisors. You know, often the Wall Street Journal focuses on someone and his or her personal board of advisors. I think that's really important too. People have to be challenged. And sometimes the CEO staff won't challenge her or him enough or appropriately or when needed. So Having other people that can help keep you real and keep you authentic is really important on that journey. Welcome to the Drop-In CEO Podcast. I'm Deb Coviello, and as the Drop-In CEO, I drop into businesses and assume the CEO role to enhance the human element and increase the results they achieve. This podcast is about bringing you conversations with expert guests who have achieved their greatest results built on a strong foundation of purpose, values, and elevating people. If you're a business leader, entrepreneur, or even just getting started in business, join us as we build the skills you need to achieve your goals. Hello, I am Deb Coviello, founder of The Drop-In CEO, and I am thrilled to have you join us for another episode of The Drop-In CEO podcast. I am blessed week after week. I get to speak to amazing leaders, learn from them, and share their insights and inspiration from you. I know you'll love this episode, so I do ask for you to please share with others, rate, review, subscribe, so we can continue to bring you great programming. And it is you, the person out there that I sincerely care about. This episode is for you to help get control of your career and get promoted. And this week, I am honored to share the mic with my amazing guest, Jim Wetrich. Jim is the CEO of Retrich Group of Companies, and he lectures and blogs about leadership and teamwork, as well as coaches and mentors, executives across industries. He and I have spoken briefly before that, and I so want to get his insights with you. You have been an amazing person in your career, in your business, but sometimes 
you have challenges and it is his work that helps leaders get ahead and get the results that they want. And I also today want to talk about his new book, Stifled Where Good Leaders Go Wrong, which was released in October of 2021. There are so many insights we are going to go into, but first, Jim, welcome to the show. Deb, thank you so much. It's a delight to be here, and I really appreciate the opportunity to have a conversation with you today. Thank you. Thank you, Jim. And for my listeners, you have been hearing me bring on so many leaders who have seen that sometimes career professionals lose their way, and it is for that work that we're so passionate about that we want to bring the best of our experience to you to be able to help you get and have fulfilling careers and get to the goals that you really want. So there are so many topics, Jim. I want to delve into, but just tell our listeners a little bit about yourself personally, some of your career journey and the passionate work that you do now. Yeah, great, Deb. Thanks so much. I've been working now for 40 years and I've spent my career in three different areas. I first started in hospital administration and got a master's in hospital administration and did that for about eight years and then pivoted and went over to the supplier side of the world and uh, had a great 11-year run with Abbott Laboratories working both in U.S. marketing as well as European marketing and also corporate accounts. And I had an entrepreneurial itch and and left Abbott and started my own consulting business in 2000 to help companies with their sales and marketing efforts. And had that for six years, still have it, but another medical device company based out of Sweden came after me and I landed a job as the U.S. president and general manager, as well as Latin America for this company called Mamaka Healthcare. And I started an eight-year run with them and then left them in 2014 and went back and jump-started my business. And that's when I've really been focusing on my key passion, which is people development, leadership, and helping people grow and develop both as managers as well as leaders. So I'm going to pause there because you just brought up something that's very relevant to myself, who is on that journey of not only serving businesses based on our technical background and experience for you, sales and marketing, and in the healthcare space, but then that switch or evolution to saying, I want to really help leaders excel and develop them. I want to know what was that switch for you or evolution? Because I know what I can do to help a business technically, but I also know I could probably help them more elevating their leaders. What was your story in that switch? Yeah, that's a great question, Deb. And I think a lot of that transformation happened when I was at Mundaka. I had worked previously for a very large global company, Abbott, 40, 50,000 people, operations in hundreds of countries. And there was tremendous opportunity. And I was a benefactor of that moving around the company, taking jobs, moving international, doing all kinds of things, sales, marketing, whatever. And when I got to Monica, Monica was a very small company. Our sales in the U.S. at the time I started total were probably about 200 million. You know, we only had a couple hundred people and there just wasn't a huge opportunity to offer promotional tracks, career expanding moves for people, which just were small. And I quickly realized that the best thing I can do in my time at that company is to develop people and realize they may not stay because we can't offer a lot to a person like a big Abbott Laboratories or Johnson & Johnson can. 
I appreciate that because it's one of those things, I don't know if it's a few gray hairs or being a little wiser. We certainly have our skills, but the best thing we can do is to elevate people. So that's why we're having this conversation today because you have so much amazing work. But tell me a little bit more about the book, why you wrote it, and how is it supposed to help people? Because I love the title. So just tell us more about the inspiration for that book and what it's meant to do. Yeah, Deb, I've been so fortunate in my career going back to my early days, except for my very first boss when I was working at a grocery store as a box boy. Every other boss I've had, and I've had almost 20 bosses, has become a CEO, an entrepreneur, or an officer in a public or private company. I've just worked for unbelievable leaders, and it's been a huge inspiration for me. And I can tell you what gets me out of bed in the morning is who I'm working for. If I'm working for somebody that's just a fabulous person and a great leader, I'm out of bed early and I can't wait to get to work. But in that process, I've seen a lot of leaders make a lot of bad decisions, not necessarily the people that I've worked for, but people I've worked around. And there's so much subtlety to leadership. Sometimes leaders don't understand what they're doing, which may be in the best intentions of the business, may become hypocritical or it may be seen very negatively or the nuance of what they're doing. And I think to your point, and I'm sure in your work where you're developing people, particularly people are stuck, it's understanding that nuance and how my actions are not necessarily doing what I intend them to do. Pointing out some of these things, I think is really important. So I'm curious in your book, Stifled, Where Good Leaders Go Wrong, I often only focus on the good. What can leaders do right? But is there one or two common things that you cite in this book that you want to share with our listeners about, don't do this, (laughs) you're going to be down the wrong path? Yeah, I think one of the things, particularly for leaders, Deb, is the notion of hypocrisy. We often come out with mandates, like, if you're going to get this position, you must do this first. To get from a sales rep to get to a district manager position, you're going to have to take this step, come in, be a financial analyst, work in contract marketing, whatever it is. And then lo and behold, the whole organization get told this is the career path and something happens and poof, overnight, a sales rep gets promoted to a district manager and never went through that other step. So people begin to wonder, well, what just happened? I was told we had to do this. But now there's an example of someone who didn't do this, who got to the job that a lot of us are aspiring to. And the key is being open. There often isn't black and white, and you have to let people know there are subtleties. And this is a general path, but it's not the only path. And we may make exceptions. It's okay to make exceptions. But the notion of not providing for those exceptions up front initially in the conversation is really what trips a lot of people up because what the leaders don't understand is yes, they have the power to make those exceptions and everybody makes exceptions, but it's communicating that and having people understand that that might be a possibility. This is so huge because I too have been that person and I've mentored a few people along the way that something happens, the environment changes, the plan that you had no longer works. So, We have to serve the business. We have to serve customers and our consumers. We have to make hard decisions at times. But knowing that, with that insight that people who are trying to ascend the ladder, what can they do now to avoid such mistakes or be proactive knowing that, yes, follow a path, but 
also do this? Well, I think part of it is just understanding what makes somebody a really great leader and the notion of being transparent, being transparent. I've run into some great leaders who were incredibly transparent. And I mentioned one of them in the book early on, a gentleman named Tim Ring, who was in HR at the time I was at Abbott and left Abbott, had a meteoric career and became chairman and CEO of a huge medical device company called CR Bard. I went down to see Tim one time. I said, Tim, where do people see me going and what's my potential in this organization? And he went to his back bookcase, pulled off a notebook, opened it up and said, well, here's the succession plan. And this is where people see you in one to three to five years. First of all, I had no idea there was a formal succession plan and that's no one's fault. That's okay. But secondly, here's this person in HR giving me information about me that I had no idea even existed. And it's that transparency that I loved and appreciated so deeply in Tim. And no surprise that he eventually became a CEO of a huge global medical device company. But that transparency, I think, is really important. If my name's on a piece of paper somewhere and I'm working in your company, why shouldn't I have a sense for what that is, good or bad? Such an amazing point. But before we go there, C.R. Bard, Murray Hill, New Jersey. I grew up there. I think that was one of the headquarters. Very familiar. Knew a lot of people that work there. Small world. <laughs> it's a great company. Yeah. It's funny what we discover about each other during these conversations. The world is a small place. But the thing that you said that was so powerful, it would be optimal to work for a company that was transparent about the career ladder, about the succession planning, how the organization views you. And then there are organizations that do not. So one of the things that I talk about in the CEO's compass, and oh my, do I blog, and I even did a solo on this, how to manage the conversation with your boss and how to solicit feedback. Because you can say, hey, I want to know, what should I continue to do that I do well? What should I maybe start doing to increase my chances or be visible? What might I change that detracts from being seen as favorable? And sometimes that helps give bosses or leaders a framework to tell you where you stand. But also, if you don't have the transparency, you don't get an answer, you might want to think about how to get it, who to get it from, or maybe this isn't the place for you to stay. Absolutely. Yeah, it's brilliant. I totally agree with everything you said, Deb. It's fascinating. It's so important for people to be intentional about the things you talked about. Absolutely. But the main part of this conversation, so curious, one of your major talking points in your book or what you like to speak about is why good leaders fail. Because most of the people I know listening to this have or will be great leaders. Why do good leaders fail? Yeah, I think one of the biggest areas of failure, Deb, and actually the uh, former CEO of General Electric, Jeff Immelt, writes about this in his book and about a lot of articles and interviews he did about his book called Hot Seat where he says, I wish I'd said I don't know more often. And I think so many senior executives and CEOs get tripped up because they do not know what they do not know. And they have this feeling that I have to know everything. I'm the CEO. I've got to be able to make all the decisions. And it really trips a lot of people up. It's just impossible with the specificity and technology we have today and deep science and learning, we can't possibly know everything. It's just not possible in anything. It's just not possible. So I was shocked in a way. Here's a person who's been a leader for a long time, been to a major MBA program. I'm doubtedly 
taught a lot of leaders at his own education academy in Crotville. And he's saying in his book, one of my biggest mistakes was I didn't know what I didn't know. So that's powerful. So it is powerful. But people are uncomfortable even ask the question either, I don't know, well, actually making a statement, I don't know this, I don't know who to turn to, I'm not sure how to solve this problem, or even asking the broader question of, I don't know what I don't know, or how do I learn more so I can be successful? What are some things that leaders can start doing to, one, have that awareness, I don't know what I don't know, and two, how to get comfortable with building up that knowledge around you so you can maybe make better decisions. Yeah, Deb, I think there's a couple things. One, regardless of your level in the organization, I think there's always an opportunity to have advisors, to have confidants, to have mentors, to have coaches who can help you and stay authentic and stay vulnerable. I think it's really important. A number of people have a personal board of advisors. Often the Wall Street Journal focuses on someone and his or her personal board of advisors, I think that's really important too. People have to be challenged. And sometimes the CEO staff won't challenge her or him enough or appropriately or when needed. So having other people that can help keep you real and keep you authentic is really important on that journey. You know, I had a person who I met through the American Society for Quality, one of the organizations that I'm a part of my own profession. And I had a mentee come to me and so smart. They weren't getting ahead in their career. They were kind of a senior leader in a technical area. They not only sought external mentors through the professional society, also had an internal mentor within the organization and also sought out advocates in other departments to guide them along the way. Oh my, I wish everybody was like that. I wish I was like that because I had an attitude of, I could do this alone. I'm smart. I can figure this out. That's how we're celebrated. That's how we get to where we want. But I think the advice that you share is that the sooner we can find a few people either within or outside to just listen to us and also provide kind advice as well as new insights is exactly what people need. It's part of your career plan. Who can advise me which path to follow? Yeah, Deb, I tell people and never could have done what I did at my time at Abbott without having some informal mentors. And my best boss when I was there is still a dear friend and I still call him for advice. And I left Abbott 22 years ago and we still stay in contact and I still seek out his counsel. So that's fascinating. I appreciate that. I will tell you one person, this is me because you and me chit-chatting here. I thought somebody was my mentor. I thought that they were going to be advocating, helping me move up into a corporate quality role. And when I asked for feedback, what should I be doing? They said, you should get your MBA because that's what you did in those days. And honestly, I was an engineer, did quite well with that. I had three children, two careers in the household, and I was doing okay. It just didn't fit into get that piece of paper. But I will tell you, maybe it was good advice, maybe not, I'll never know. But I will tell you, sometimes when people seek only to check the box, do you have the certificate? Do you have this pedigree as a go, no go gauge on whether for you to go? 
you have to question the organization if it really matters or do they really look at the leadership qualities of the person? Because then I had a situation where I didn't have a particular certification. They says, we don't need that. Yes, we're bringing you into that environment. We need leadership. We need change management skills, not another technical leader. So that's a piece of advice I'm going to share for our listeners. Be careful of the people you're interviewing with or the organizations you're in. If they just want to check the box on a qualification, you need to ask more broader questions in terms of, well, what are they looking for in you for the future of the company? That is going to give you some insight. It's so critical. And I find in so many instances, the hiring process is so superficial. On one hand, the companies think it's so rigorous, right? And on the other hand, it's so superficial because they quickly eliminate people that don't have all the checks in the boxes. And it always amazes me when that happens. So when people get done listening to this conversation, I want them to really get to know Jim on a level of, oh, that is my situation. I would love for him to help either myself personally or an organization. So I'd love for you to share a story where maybe you came into a situation for which maybe they were stuck, maybe they were failing. And through your work with an individual or team, how were you able to get them unstuck and reach the goals that they wanted to achieve? Yeah, Deb, probably the best example of that is my last job when I became general manager of this company in 2006. The business had really stagnated, and there were two parts of the business, a business that had products for the surgical applications and also products for the wound care application. And the previous general manager who had come from the surgical business really was focusing only on the surgical business. And things were just stagnating. There wasn't a lot of good training. There wasn't a lot of development. There wasn't a good sales direction initiative. The team wasn't operating very well together. There wasn't a lot of communication. And as a result, the business was kind of floundering. And over time, I made some key changes, gave people a lot of time before I made my assessment, brought in some new people. And we took a sleepy business that wasn't performing, that was number five in the market. Ultimately, we grew the sales about seven or eight times. We went from number five to number one in the market, and we increased the profitability of that business over 20 times. And it's about focus. It's about training. It's about development. And it was a huge turnaround story for all the team involved. But nothing to do with a new sales strategy, a new platform, a new whatever. It was people development. People development is a foundation. I want to know more about that. So what did you then see focusing on people development? What was it once you got to critical mass started making the difference in the outcome of the company? Training, 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 training. We brought in an unbelievable person to develop training at all levels, whether it was supervisory training, sales training, sales management training, leadership training. And she built out a small team and a small staff that worked across the continuum, both with the wound care side and the surgical side. It's about training and developing people. And the other thing that I think was one of the most significant things that I did when I was there, and it's a very long story, but I really had some aha moments in around 2010 and realized businesses could do a lot more than what they're doing for the women in the organization. And ultimately, Deb, we had 150 women in the organization and about 150 men. And I flew all 150 women to a two-day meeting in Dallas and brought in all kinds of senior content experts in the area of dealing with issues having to do with women in the workforce. 
And it was just me and all the women in the organization for two, day, two, two days talking about issues that concern women in the workforce. And as a result of that meeting, Deb, we had so many women who said, I didn't realize the company cared. I didn't realize I had potential. I didn't realize I could be promoted, that we had so many women step up and want to do more that it more than offset the entire cost of that meeting and what would have been recruiting fees we would have had to use to go find talent on the outside. Oh my. And again, thank you for that leadership and understanding a demographic perhaps needed something different. And that goes for all leadership. Look at the demographics of your organization that we celebrate the differences and all the demographics and profiles of the people we bring together, but being attuned to the differences, not to separate, but to provide for and help them achieve their greatest potential. Oh my, Jim, amazing. And thank you for all of that. Yeah, for sure. That was fabulous. Yeah. I could see your personally changed from all of that. I think sometimes going against the grain, just doing something different and just seeing that opportunity. Leaders sometimes have these great ideas within organizations. And even if you know how to message it and say, this is the impact of doing X, sometimes organizations just say, stay within the lines. We don't need your new ideas. Just do the job we asked you to do. And that's so disheartening, but I appreciate what you do. So we're going to be bringing this to a close. This has been a great interview. First of all, you have a great speaking voice. Continue. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Continue podcasting. It's it's a great voice. It really Thank sits you. well with listeners. But if there are any last closing thoughts or points that you want to leave with our listeners, what would that be? I think there was a gentleman named Bernie Lackner. I heard him speak early in my when I was in Chicago in the hospital business, and I can't remember which hospital he ran, but he ran a big hospital in Chicago. May have been Northwestern. I, I can't recall. But Bernie Lackner challenged the group of hospital executives there to understand what you stand for. What do you stand for? What's important to you? And Deb amazes me and shocks me. Today, we continue to have major breaches in ethics in businesses around the world because pressure is forcing people to do what we all know is the wrong thing. How can Wells Fargo set up millions and millions of phony accounts, end up terminating over 5,000 people for inappropriate, unethical behavior today in this environment? It's just, what do you stand for? And every time I used to stand up in front of the sales team at Monica, I'd always weave into the conversation. Do not ever, for any reason, let anybody put you in a situation where you're compromising your ethics. Get out, walk away, walk away from the business, whatever it takes. Do not compromise your integrity and your ethics. It's about leaving your legacy, leaving your legacy as a leader. So Jim, how best can people get a hold of you? Because I do hope that they look you up, seek you out, and maybe have a conversation. I'm on LinkedIn, James G. Wetrich, and you can go to jimwetrich.com and you can find me between those two things. Happy to connect with anybody who'd be interested in having a conversation. So, Jim, I am sincerely grateful for the opportunity to get to know you, bring your insights to my listeners, and I do wish you continued success. Thank you so much. Thank you, Deb, for the opportunity. It's been a real joy to be with you. Thank you for listening to the Drop-In CEO Podcast. My new book, CEO's Compass, will change the way you think about leadership, navigate rapid transformation, and elevate the leaders of tomorrow. 
If you're feeling off track, the CEO's Compass Assessment will guide you to peace of mind in days, not months. You can learn more about the CEO's Compass by visiting my website at dropinceo.com. Now go out and lead, inspire, and achieve your goals.